Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, we're going to be doing part three of a series that Peter has been giving us about tax planning is a year-round process. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How about you, Eric? I'm doing very, very well. Hey, this is I know this is part three. Can you give us an overview of what part one and two were and what we're going to be talking about in part three today? Sure. Part one really focused on the basics of tax planning. We defined ordinary income, deductions, capital gains, marginal and effective tax rates. Mm -hmm. So more of the details, the basics. In part two, we talked about really the philosophy at the Raskin Planning Group around tax planning. And the primary focus is really not letting the tax tail wag the the planning dog. Mm -hmm. We focus on planning first and tax planning second. It's it's a way to make your comprehensive plan more effective, basically. I like that. I like the tax tail wagging the planning dog. (laughs) That's what we don't want. That's what we don't want. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Part of our philosophy is that tax planning needs to really be integrated with your overall financial plan. Mm Mm-hmm because one affects the other, really important. And then finally, we recognize, and we want all our clients to recognize that tax laws are in constant flux Mm -hmm. and they'll likely change in the future. So just be prepared. What we have now is probably different than what we'll have in the future. Very true, we know they change it all the time. They do. All right, so now we're into part three, and what are we talking about today? Today, we'll, we'll really focus on, on some additional concepts. And I think what you'll see in these concepts and strategies that we'll describe, how, how integrated and complicated tax and planning can really be and how it can enhance and we think help more effectively meet your family wealth goals. Great. And I'm hoping that you have some good examples for us. Like I know we spoke last time on, on the last podcast about having some examples just because having some visuals, I guess what we would call visuals, even though this is a podcast, but having kind of a visual picture of what that looks like for a specific client. Do we got some examples for today? We do. Awesome. Awesome. And I know that we speaking earlier, we're going to be starting with asset location and you spoke a little bit about that on the last podcast as well. So if you want to hear more of that, please go back and listen to that. Uh, anyone who's listening to today's podcast, but asset location, where do we start with that? I know we're going to dive deeper into that today. Where do we start? Yeah, the, the important concept here is that that your how you own the certain assets can really make a difference in your planning. So just let me use this as an example. We've got uh, clients John and Sally, and they've done a, a great job saving. They've got a very large traditional IRA, mm-hmm. and traditional IRAs are wonderful retirement vehicles, uh, but they come with some embedded tax liabilities because when they take money out they're they're 100 taxed. yeah they're taxed on the back end exactly got it so the question is is how do we enhance their their situation so john and sally both good savers they've they've done 
great saving in retirement accounts, but they've also got non-retirement accounts, mm-hmm. which is also really gives them a, some additional flexibility. When you say non-retirement accounts, are you talking about savings account, checking account? Uh, what, what else would be in that group? Yeah, any 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 kind of investment that they own personally, mm. that's in their own names or own jointly, that's taxed to them as individuals. Okay. So when we first met them, they had invested their tax deferred investments, their retirement account investments in high growth and low income securities, mm-hmm. which is which is good. They got they got received good returns on those investments over a long period period of time. And they also invested their non-retirement accounts, their individual accounts, which are taxable in tax-free bonds, which makes perfect sense. They don't have to pay taxes on the income. They didn't need any additional liquidity or or income from these bonds, but they wanted to diversify their assets and and reduce the risk of owning so many stocks. So that's why they did that. And bonds are a good choice for that. So So, it it looks like a, sounds to me like it's a pretty good picture. It's, I mean, it seems like a good foundation to start with. Absolutely. They've built great retirement accounts. They've got non-retirement accounts. Their retirement accounts are primarily in stocks. Their non-retirement accounts are primarily in bonds. Mm. Our recommendation would have, would be to really do something a little bit different. That's where we're really trying to figure out which account should own the stocks, which kind of account should own the bonds. Hmm. So uh, my recommendation is that their non-retirement accounts should actually own more of the stocks and that their retirement accounts should own more of the bonds. Hmm. Okay. Why is that? Well, the stocks, because they're growth and appreciation focused, mm-hmm. They provide tax deferred gains and capital gains are taxed more favorably than regular income. Oh, okay. Another advantage is that there, if there are losses, if the stocks they purchased went down in value, mm-hmm. they could sell those stocks for a loss. Doesn't sound like that's such a great thing. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it doesn't sound fun. But however, there's some tax advantages there. If you sell a security for a loss, you can use that loss to offset any future gains. Mm-hmm. And I know we spoke about that in the last podcast. That makes perfect sense. Uh, and I know that there's limitations. To that. I think it was $3,000, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there's, there's unlimited um, losses that you can use to offset capital gains. Oh, okay. But you can use up to $3,000 a year of losses to offset any ordinary income. Uh, that's what it was. Great. Thank you yep. for clarifying. Another advantage of stocks is that the, the dividends, especially if they're qualified, are tax advantage with rates that are less than ordinary income uh, tax rates, the tax at the long-term capital gain rate. Mm-hmm. And so, th- so you're getting capital appreciation, to, uh, long-term capital gains, hopefully on your stocks, you're able to take advantage of losses, mm-hmm. and you're also getting some dividends, which are taxed more favorably than traditional bonds. All right. Now, they could also then invest their IRA, their retirement account, in taxable bonds, which are tax deferred anyway. They don't have to pay taxes on that right away. And their bonds would have provided higher yields than, than uh, inside a retirement account than they would be uh, in tax-free municipal bonds. Okay. All right. This is a little confusing, but I mean, we're getting it for sure. And And anybody listening to this, if you're a little confused about this, 
please reach out to Peter. <laughs> he will definitely clarify this for you, and he can he can tell you about your specific situation. It, it'll uh, it'll definitely be enlightening. He's got a ton of knowledge. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Peter, but uh, I know that when we get into the weeds here, it, it can definitely get a little confusing. I want them to be able to reach out and, and talk to your office about it. Uh, where do we go from here? So uh, another another example of, of choosing the right location for assets is, is if you're investing in a portfolio where there are where there's lots of turnover, mm-hmm. meaning there's a lot of securities buying and selling, and there may be short-term capital gains. Those kinds of, of, of portfolios might be invested in uh, retirement accounts and annuities. So it's just, it's just being aware of how your investments are being taxed yeah. and using the vehicle that's most efficient for that kind of portfolio. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to get so much more benefit out of it if you have it in the right vehicle. Exactly. Right. Another example of asset location is is Roth IRAs. A Roth IRA account grows uh, tax-free if taken out uh, in retirement. And the advantage of that is that you could have a, a bond or a stock just grow and accumulate and, and appreciate over many, many years, and it comes out tax-free. And that's different than a traditional IRA. So sometimes we like to have high-growth assets, especially for younger people in uh, Roth accounts. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So again, putting the right kind of asset in the right kind of account makes a huge difference from a tax perspective. Mm -hmm. What is the next best thing that you can do? I mean, you've got asset location. What's another strategy that we should be looking at? Yeah, this is really more big picture, but here we're talking about tax bracket planning. So really trying to understand and predict what your tax bracket will be uh, year in and year out. It's not an easy thing. A lot of people, uh, their incomes can fluctuate pretty dramatically. But but for many people, they have a, re- a pretty good sense of what that income will be. Peter, so on just, the, sorry, on the last podcast, you you had gone through some of the kind of the cutoff points, right? The, the levels that you're being taxed. So I guess your tax bracket. Can you cover those again for us so we have a, a good idea of what those numbers are? Yeah, Absolutely. So we're talking really about marginal tax brackets, Mm -hmm. and I want to describe how those work. So your marginal tax bracket is the percentage of your income tax that you owe over a certain amount of taxable income. Okay. So just for example, if you're married, filing jointly, the first $19,000 of taxable income is taxed at 10%. Okay. and taxable income from $19,000 to $77,000 is taxed at 12%. And the next tax bracket is, is 22%, and that's on income from $77,000 to $165,000. Wow. So that gives you an idea of the brackets. And then from there, the tax brackets increase all the way to 37%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I'm not in that bracket yet, so I'm not going to worry about it, Peter. <laughs> but it's good to know for the future, for sure. Yeah. And the key here is not, is not again, trying to determine exactly what it is, uh, but getting a sense, are you on the lower side of that tax bracket? Mm-hmm. Meaning, are you closer to $77,000 than you are at 165? Oh, if yeah. you're far away, then you've got, you've, you know that your, your tax taxes on any income in excess of 77,000 is going to be taxed at 22%. Got it. Yep. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Then you can do more planning based on that and how you want to kind of work the numbers to where you're going to be in a specific tax bracket. 
Yeah. So it's just managing your income if possible. Not everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, most of us can't. You you just accept the income that you're given in that year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but some some of us can defer income into a into another year for for a variety of reasons. Got it. Oh, that make, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So let's get, revisit John and Sally's situation. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned pre previously, they're great savers and have investments in taxable accounts like IRAs and retirement accounts and tax-free accounts like Roths. Mm -hmm. And they're now retired, but they haven't started taking Social Security yet. Okay. Their taxable investments are producing income and their, and their dividends and capital gains are mostly taxed at that 15% level. That's, that's the capital gains tax rate for John and Sally. All right. But if they still need additional income to cover their expenses, where do they get it from? Do they take it from their taxable investments? Do they take it from their traditional IRAs, which are fully taxed as ordinary income? Or do they take it from their Roth IRAs, which are tax-free? Mm, that's a good question because it depends on all sorts of things within their their own specific situation, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, it's not just not that clear. I think the, the traditional rule of thumb that that planners have been using for many years is that you continue to defer your income tax, that you, you defer it as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense at, at one level. You know, why pay taxes now if you don't have to? You know, when we look at this in more detail and we think about about these tax these tax brackets, we, we draw a different conclusion. We want to take a more integrated and comprehensive look at their goals. Mm -hmm. So we have to now take a look at kind of objectives. And this is how, how important it is to really understand the whole total picture of our client. They're both in excellent health. They want to maximize their social security benefits uh, when they're when they're beginning to take them, and that would be at age seventy. So they don't want to take anything any of their social security benefits until age seventy and age seventy. Mm -hmm. Now at age seventy and a half, the IRS says that they have to take a certain amount of money from their individual retirement accounts. So that's called required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. RMDs. I've heard of that. RMDs exactly. And so because they've been great savers, because they've focused on their retirement accounts, those RMDs are going to be quite large. Mm, so okay. when you add the Social Security income, which will, they'll take at age 70, and the RMDs, that will push them into a 24% marginal tax bracket. Hmm. So remember, right now they're in the lower end of the 22% tax bracket. Okay. So one thought is to take withdrawals from the traditional IRAs until they're in the upper end of the 22% tax bracket. Okay, what will that do for them? Well, they'll pay more tax now because they're, they're but, but they're not paying a, into a higher tax bracket. Mm. And then by taking money out of their traditional IRA now, they're reducing the future required minimum distributions from their IRAs. Okay. And so they're paying tax at a lower tax bracket now than they will in the future if they take this approach. Got it. If they need additional income, they can always take money out of their taxable accounts and there'll be very little tax consequence now. Uh, the Roth IRAs are great because those are tax-free. They may want to continue defer deferring taking money from the Roth IRAs because um, those grow tax-free forever and there aren't any required minimum distributions. Yeah, I was just going to say, I remember you said that on a previous podcast, there are no, there are no RMDs from a Roth IRA. Correct. Okay, yep. yeah. 
So it's a great asset to pass on to um, the next generation mm, okay. because they don't have to pay taxes on it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll even take a look at converting s- some of their traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. So the pay tax now on the conversion amount, mm-hmm. but in the future, distributions are tax-free. So you get great results by doing that. Got it. And it's all working within the tax brackets. Okay. I just one caveat, and I think just an, a, a quick mention, especially for those clients that are, are enrolled in Medicare, that their Medicare premium will be higher if their modified adjust gross income, their adjusted gross income is above certain thresholds. Can you, so we just want to be aware of, of that because we don't want to push clients into a higher income level, which will then trigger a higher Medicare cost. All right. Can you give us an example of that, please? Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's very complicated. But so just in like in 2018, if you file a joint return and your modified adjust, adjusted gross income is between $170,000 and $214,000, you'll pay an extra $642 a year for Part B and $156 a year for for a prescription drug plan. All right. So these these additional costs increase dramatically as your your adjusted gross income uh, increases as well. Okay. So we really want to just be aware of, of that taxable income. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anything else we need to know about within the Medicare area, those things that people have to consider? Uh, no, he, there's a lot there. We'll have actually. I think it would be really good to have a podcast just around those Medicare uh, decision points. That would be uh, fantastic because I, I know that there's. I mean, you you had mentioned Medicare, Medicare Part B, Medicare, the prescription drug plan. But from my understanding, there's a lot of parts, like an alphabet of parts. You know, Part B, Part C, Part D, or whatever. I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I'm. I'm I've heard it's a bit complicated. So yeah, if we could do a podcast, that'd be great, Peter. It's really, um, really helpful to, to dive into that in more depth. Great. All right. Where do we go from here? Another area that, that we look at is just is the timing of income and deductions. I mentioned that a little bit around tax tax bracket planning, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's, it's really important to choose the right year to take taxable income or to take deductions. It's not always possible to do that kind of uh, planning, but we think it can make a difference in, in a lot of situations. So for example, it's possible, if it's possible to defer income from one year to another, we should consider it. So in, in this example, if your taxable income will likely be lower in the following tax year, that would allow you to take more income in that next year at a lower marginal tax bracket. How would that work? Well, so if your income is, um, is just as an example, $200,000 in 2018, mm-hmm. In 2019, you think that income will drop because maybe you're retiring in that year will drop to, let's say, uh, Mm $50,000, and you're able to defer bonus or compensation into the 2019 year. Oh, I see. Got it. That would be advantageous. So some advanced planning is what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just really sitting down with your your tax advisors, your planner, and say, well, let's let's think about what this is going to look like over the next... 24 months as far as your income is concerned. And of course you have to, you know, you have to get your employer to agree to that. You know, if they're doing bonuses at the very end of the year, if you can get them to push it to January, is that what, would you just have to have a discussion with them or how does that work? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes if you're self-employed, you're able to oh, definitely. Uh, have yeah. more control of your, 
of your income. Sometimes if you've got uh, an asset that's being sold, uh, distributions from trust, distributions from retirement accounts. So there's ways to control income at certain levels. Got it. That makes sense. All right. So another another timing issue is really is around deductions. And so really be thoughtful again about income and deductions. And just an example we're seeing uh, come up a lot is in the charitable area. You try to bunch your charitable donations in, into high income years. So you get that tax deduction at that higher marginal tax bracket. Okay, that makes sense too, yeah, okay. And another, another issue is that many of our clients uh, are finding that they aren't able to itemize in 2018, because the standard deduction has increased to $24,000 for joint taxpayers. And now the state and local tax deduction is limited to $10,000. Mm, mm. So if, if, you're, if your um, total deductions don't exceed 24,000, you can't itemize. So if you're bunching your charitable deductions into one year, say multiple years. So if a, a typical year you're giving, is it just as an example, $5,000 a year? Well, maybe you could bunch uh, four or five years worth of charity into one year. And therefore your charitable deduction for that one year would be $25,000 plus $10,000 of uh, state and local tax deductions. Mm -hmm. And that means you're able to deduct, you're able to itemize and deduct an, an additional $11,000. Where'd the $11,000 come from? Eric, that's a great question. It comes from the, the charitable deduction of $25,000 plus the $10,000 state and local tax deduction. So that's 35,000. And 35, uh, if you subtract 35,000, I'm sorry, you subtract 24,000 from 35,000, that's uh, $11,000. Gotcha, so it's 11,000 additional to what you would have if you had just filed your joint. Yeah. Got exactly. it, okay, that's okay. That makes more sense to me now. Yeah. All right, great. And then- So that's just, a, a, the, that timing is just trying to bunch your, your deductions into, into one year versus spreading them out over multiple years. And that allows you to itemize and take advantage of, of just the tax law. Yeah. And so then, I mean, you have the 35,000 and then we didn't even talk about on top of that, maybe you have your own home and you're paying on that. So that what the, the interest is deductible is tax deductible, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Uh, you could have, you could have uh, uh, medical uh, yeah. uh, itemized medical deductions if, if you qualify. So there's, there's potential for other deductions, but uh, we're seeing that a lot of our clients aren't able to, to get there. Yeah, exactly. So when you bunch it like that, then all of a sudden it's a, it could be a much larger opportunity for you than, uh, than, you know, what you could do on a yearly basis if you do some bunching. Correct. Fantastic. All right. I know we're getting low on time. What are we going to be covering in the next podcast? Yeah. Um, we're, we've got a few more areas of, of tax planning to, to consider uh, investment tax management mm -hmm. it can make a huge difference for for a family over 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 decades of investing, and we'll so we'll spend some time on that. We'll also talk about death and taxes. Those are the the two things we can always count on, right? Oh yeah, yeah our favorite topics too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. death and taxes. And, and so so we have to just put that into the mix from a planning perspective. Of course, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and and there are situations where uh, we need to be aware of. Of, of, of how that can affect our tax planning. Mm -hmm. 
And then finally, we'll, we'll really focus on um, gifting strategies. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and these can be, um, I think, can be interesting for a lot of families. And we'll get into detail on just transferring assets uh, for, to different generations, as well as charitable giving. Mm -hmm. Some additional conversation about charitable giving. Yeah, I, I love talking about charitable giving. I think it's a, a powerful way that people can really help themselves financially, help you know multiple generations, and of course help a charity. So I, I think it's a definitely a worthwhile topic. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Great. Do you have any closing thoughts for today's podcast? No, I think uh, what I'm hoping that that uh, that our listeners can appreciate is is just how complicated and integrated this can be. Mm -hmm. And again, it's all focused on your objectives, your financial objectives, and your and your situation. Uh, rules of thumb, I like to throw those out yeah. because everyone is so particular and individual, and their circumstances just so 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 different from others. So we really focus on 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 their situation their objectives. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about that in, in detail next podcast. And I, I would encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast, I liken it to, to looking up something on Google, right? If, if I have an ailment and I look up something on Google, I'm going to get a lot of answers, but they're probably not going to be the right ones. I mean, we, we've all kind of heard that story. Oh, my shoulder hurts. I look it up online. I give the symptoms. All of a sudden, I have leprosy. It's, it's just not, right. that's not true. You don't have leprosy. That's not what's going on. Um, but trying to self-diagnose like that, it it's just doesn't work. You go see a doctor. And in a situation like this, if you've got tax issues or you've got thoughts on what your taxes are, your income, how you could do it better to better your own life to help maybe multiple generations, your kids or your grandchildren to just save on taxes, not give so much to our uncle Sam. They make it like a relationship. It's really not a nice uncle at all. Uh, to, to maybe give less to him, you've got to talk to somebody who is like the doctor, who's going to be able to take a look at the entire picture and say, okay, this is what we can do specifically for you. Here's your symptoms. And here's some of the things that we can do to help alleviate the pain or really uh, get you in better health financially. So please reach That's out right. to this group. Yeah, I, I appreciate your time, Peter, very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This will make it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. 
Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.